Hey guys, welcome back to the Ephesians Curriculum Podcast. We have a new guest this week, and his name is Rick. If you guys don't know Rick, he is working and helping us with the Lewis House. And so say hello, Rick. Hello. If you haven't met him, he used to be on staff at CSF for how long? Way back when. Um, I was on staff for four years, starting in 2013. Whoa. So I was just a sophomore in college. Just a wee little gal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Rick is back at CSF and he's helping out um, get that library together, help start this Lewis House ministry, and he's helping us write curriculum. That's right. Which was what I used to do. So it's kind of full (laughs) circle. circle. There was no library then, which is unfortunate. But but someday soon, students, you can check out your book, maybe, for those of you who read books. (laughs) You should all read books, first of all, but... Those of you who do. Gotcha. When So we did a, the Ephesians curriculum when I was in college. Rick, did you write that the first time around? Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Uh, CJ and I both Whoa. were on the team. Me, CJ, and Matt Dampier sitting in this, not this basement, the other basement, I guess. That is now a hole in the ground. That's now a hole in the ground. That's the one. Um, sitting there late night, writing Ephesians curriculum. Playing a little bit of Smash Brothers, so that's awesome. It now, was good times. Full circle, you wrote it again. That's right. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, better this time, I guess. Although I thought it was good then, so. Uh, but you always hope what you write's good. So yeah, for sure. We it's <laughs> it is so good, and I think it's been a great semester. Um, last week, Landon and I were on the podcast, and we were talking about um, this new self that we obtained through Christ. Mm-hmm and how essential community is in our formation into that likeness with Christ and we take on that new self. And so this week, where are we in Ephesians and what is going on in this passage? All right. Well, we are in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 3 through 20 specifically. And there's there's a few different things going on in this passage. Um, mostly it's about how to live. Uh, and so it's, it's really practical in that way. Um, but also... A lot of it's maybe stuff that you kind of feel like, okay, I already mostly know this. You know, if you're leading a group, you might feel a little preachy, like, oh, we're talking about this stuff, and my students kind of already know the answers here. Um, but but that's what it's about. I think it's it's really about a basic like, how ought we um, live, which I think sometimes can feel like a set of rules or something that's kind of trite, something. There's a lot in here about sex, um, which we've talked about sex a lot at CSF lately. So we probably won't dwell on that a lot here. Um, but it can feel a little bit like, okay, what's what exactly is going on here? What's the point? Um, but I think if we can get beyond seeing it just as rules, then it's it's a lot, lot richer. Um, and there's a note in the, the leader's guide to this effect uh, that talks a little bit about, there's there's a line in here that talks about how God's wrath, the wrath of God, um, will come because of, uh, of disobedience. And we sometimes think of that as like a, an arbitrary thing, like we broke the rules, so now God comes and does something. Um, but I think that uh, if we can get to a more integrated, more sort of holistic vision of, of what it means to live well, um, then then we see that it's not really uh, this this sort of outside set of rules, but either we live sort of in stream with the way God's designed us to, 
Or uh, sometimes we, when we live against that, we actually, uh, and this is the note, that, that sometimes God's wrath isn't God like coming in and inflicting a punishment, um, but is God sort of letting us have our way, mm-hmm. right? So we, um, we choose not to live well. We choose to sort of flout the wisdom and the guidance that, uh, that somebody like Paul in this chapter is giving us. And what happens is um, we, we taste sort of the fruit of that, the rotten mm-hmm. fruit of it. And, uh, and that, that actually maybe is an expression of God's wrath. So, um, but yeah, this is, this is mostly about how do, how do we live um, and how do we become the kind of people that God created us to be? How do we flourish as a human person? Um, and yeah, so there's, there's different parts of this that, that lean into that, but that's, I guess, the 10,000 foot view. Yeah, for sure. So this is kind of like a practical time for our groups. For like sure. How to live out our faith. Yeah, in a lot for of ways. for uh, for better and for worse, it, it, <laughs> it's very practical. And so, um, you know, it's the kind of week that uh, you may end up talking really specifically about a few specific sins in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. And that can be a very good and fruitful thing. Uh, it can be a way sometimes to sort of. Uh, to enter into the easy conversation, like, oh, we all know this is some sin that we all struggle with, but we'll just talk about it in sort of a, a loose way. But I think if you'll let it, this scripture will really sort of peel back the layers on your life some. Awesome. Well, you did a lot of research on this passage in preparing both times that you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you were writing, what was something that really stood out to you and what is something that you really want groups to um, really think about and wrestle with in group this week? Yeah. So there were in general sort of three key themes or sections. The first section uh, has a lot to do with with sex and with other vices. It talks about um, foolish talk and and greed or covetousness. Um, And so that's that first section. Like I said, we talked about sex a lot, so we'll we'll skip over that a little bit. And then it ends with this interesting uh, admonition to, to speak to one another in Psalms and to live a life of thanksgiving. And that's sort of the the third theme I picked out, but I want to talk about the center section most. I think I think that's the section that, um, in my own life, resonates the most. And I think that um, if we're thinking about if this whole section is about practicality, if it's about how to live, uh, this is the section I think speaks to that most. And I think it has to do with our daily choices. Um, what is it about? Uh, the moral life that matters, right? Because when we talk about right and wrong, when we talk about how we ought to live, that word ought is a, is a moral word, right? It's an obligation kind of word. Um, so why does, that, why does that really matter? And again, I, I want to get away from that what matters because it's not the way we're supposed to live, right? Because it's not the rule. It's not the, the God-prescribed way, which all, all, of course, is true. Um, but what's the, what's sort of, I guess, why has God made the world that way? Um, right. We, we don't believe that God just has some sort of arbitrary rule. So what about the God's world and, and the way he's made the world and the way he's made us, um, is such that, that God's made the world this way. And so, um, it, it, it all kind of, let's look at the, the passage here. So it's, uh, chapter five, verse eight is sort of where I think this really starts to come out. So, uh, so Paul's talking, and he's talking about how they are, you know, they're being foolish and and joking about coarse things and sex and uh, and and just various forms of disobedience and and uh, sort of foolishness. 
And then he says, don't be partners with them. For at one time, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. At one time you were darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. I think this is a really interesting passage to me because it notice it doesn't say that you were sort of walking in darkness, uh, and now you're walking in light. Um, but it says you were dark, and now you are light. Um, and I think that that's, that's really significant. And that, that whole like your light or your dark thing, uh, I think it might have, or definitely does have uh, something to do with, right, you're either in Christ or you're not in Christ, right? This is uh, a way of describing sort of the reality of being um, in Jesus, you know, in the Messiah, in Christ, uh, which is the way Paul talks about sort of salvation in a lot of ways. Um, but it also, I think, has to do with a life that sort of corresponds to each of those. Uh, and a reality about you that's going to shape the way that you live. Um, and so this is that sort of formation part that we were talking about, right? About becoming the kind of person that God's actually designed you to be. Um, you know, God's created us to be like these, I guess, vice regents of the world that he's made, you know, to rule the world uh, that he's made with justice and purity and righteousness and order and truth. Um, but also not just to rule the world he's made, but also to rule ourselves uh, with, with well. And uh, I think it's really whenever we fail in that second commission, fail in that commission to rule ourselves well, uh, that we often end up sort of causing chaos in the world God made. We, you know, we uh, bring disorder to relationships or we become uh, the kind of people who uh, in our families or in our friendships or in our churches or uh, wherever that are uh, creating you know, strife instead of peace and goodness. And, um, and so uh, these daily choices have a huge part to do with which one of those realities we live into. If we, if we rule ourselves and therefore um, live in the world well, or if we, if we do that poorly. And so, uh, and so we actually become like one of those things. Um, so we become either like light or like darkness. So, you know, there's all sorts of actions you can think of that are sort of, you know, you might describe as dark, um, you know, playing with a Ouija board, maybe a little <laughs> bit dark, uh, but uh, yeah. not, not just like, uh, you know, obvious examples like that. Uh, you know, you might say if, if you were, you know, it's kind of Christianese, I guess, but uh, if you were talking about how you want to be a light in somebody's life, right, there's certain kind of actions that yeah. you might uh, think go along with that. How, much, how might you be a light in somebody's life, Rachel? Um... I'm even just, yeah, I'm just even, (laughs) so I think just thinking about um, something that John Mark Comer talks about in spiritual formation, that everything we do is either forming us toward or away from God. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I'm just like thinking about that in the language that you're using of light and darkness or that even Paul is using Mm -hmm. in light and darkness. So what are the things in my life that are bringing light to other people? What are, Mm -hmm. what is forming me in the image of Christ for the sake of others? And so... I would think that like building community, mm-hmm. like what are ways that I could build community? Inviting people to my home, like hospitality is mm-hmm. such a huge f- way of bringing light to others. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's any number of, you know, writing somebody a note, you know, if yeah. you were thinking about how you might be a light to someone, you know, there's, we sort of think of these just sort of general positive actions. Um, and I do think that, uh, I do think that 
there's sort of actions that go along with being a light, you know, um, mm-hmm. being someone that stands up for, uh, for or cares for someone who's yeah. often overlooked, um, that those are all sort of actions that go along with being light. Um, but that somehow those things aren't just individual actions, but actually end up having a sort of a cumulative effect mm-hmm. uh, such that in the end they make you more like light. Uh, and I think that that's the way that the moral life works. It's, it's, um, it's formative uh, because the, the habits... So uh, maybe this is a, is this a Brian Marshall saying... Um, <laughs> No, no, this is a Brian Marshall saying this that his college pastor, which I think is, was it, was it Fred? No, it wasn't Fred. It was uh, Gene, Gene, old Gene Parr. There we go. (laughs) Uh, It took me a long time to put that puzzle together. Um, But uh, Brian tells how Gene used to always say that in college, you make your habits and after that, your habits make you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is a really, uh, I think this is a really classical Christian way of talking about uh, the moral life, that the choices we make uh, aren't just sort of these individual things that uh, exist out there, um, and then there's sort of repercussions for them, you know, maybe we have to deal with consequences for them or or there's benefits from them, but that they actually have a, uh, a formative effect. And so, um, so whenever people in the Christian tradition like Thomas Aquinas or St. Augustine are talking about virtue, or even people before that, people in the pagan world, virtuous pagans like uh, people like Aristotle, these philosophers in Plato, uh, when they're talking about virtue, when they're talking about how to live well, they're talking about habits. Um, Because ultimately it's the repeated way we live, right? Our actions Mm -hmm. that actually end up forming sort of the central part of who we are. Um, And so if you live in such a way that you're uh, constantly... um, you know, whether it's constantly welcoming people in, uh, constantly caring for people who are often overlooked, right? Befriending people who are sort of on the margins, um, or you constantly, you know, when you're slandered or when someone, uh, you know, slights you or doesn't give you the respect that you deserve or whatever, right? The way you respond to that continually over and over, uh, isn't just something that happens in that moment, but it actually sort of, uh, accumulates into uh, something that forms the central part of who you are. And that's what we mean when we talk about like someone's character, yeah. right? If, if I asked you if someone had a good character or not, you know, if you're, uh, if you, you know, as, you know, there's some student at Synergy and uh, they're like, oh, I met, uh, I met this guy, David, the other day. And uh, I, not David House Connect, because where I'm going with this would get weird. I met this guy, David, the other day. I was kind of interested in him. Like, I'm thinking about, uh, like, I think he kind of might like me. Uh, you know, should I, uh, should I pursue that or, or, or no? Um, you know, is he a good guy? They might ask that, right? Is he a good guy? And when they ask that, they aren't asking, like, does he do nice things? They're asking about something deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It, it reflects the things that he does, but they're asking about right, his character. Okay. Uh, it's this sort of like stable uh, part of us that is um, that disposes the way that we live the rest mm-hmm. of our lives. Uh, and so in some ways our actions flow from our character, but our character also is primarily formed by our actions, by repeatedly living the same way such that it becomes like the default disposition, almost like a second nature. Um, and I think Paul's whole point here 
uh, is that that in a lot of ways, this is what happens in our lives. The reason that uh, even when he talks about sex up here, it's almost kind of prudish, it feels like to us. (laughs) He's like, you know, no foolish talking or even crude joking. And we're like, ah, there goes all of my favorite TV shows. Um, (laughs) And it it feels a little bit like rigid or or strict or something. Um, And I think it's because Paul is really wrestling with the fact that each of those little individual things, those little, um, that's what she said, jokes aren't a thing anymore, but I guess people still watch The Office, right? Even each of those little things uh, in some small way, and I'm sure there's uh, maybe innocent times for those or whatever, Um, but each of those those little moments cumulatively uh, work together to to form us in one way or the other, Mm -hmm. to push us one way or another. So we're talking a lot about how we live. And so sometimes we get a little confused about where our righteousness comes from. So um, we are made right by our faith. Mm-hmm. But That's how true. does this all fit in? Just so that we don't get confused. Sure, yeah. I guess the anytime we're talking about sort of how to live, there's sort of a, uh, a ghost looming in the background. <laughs> Um, right. Well, if that's how we live, is that sort of what it's all about? Is that how we, um, yeah, no, I think that's a fair question. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, of course that, uh, ultimately, not ultimately just period, uh, that our righteousness comes from Christ, right? That, uh, it's only being in Christ, being found in his righteousness that, uh, that certainly anything like our, salvation uh, would come. And so it's obviously about our faith and not about what we do. Um, yet there's this um, there's this sort of looming question in the background when we talk about like, okay, is our works that save us? Um, and it's what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about being saved? Um, you know, obviously, there's a there's a lot that can go into this conversation. Um, you know, we're we're being saved for eternity and for um, life in the presence of God, as opposed to uh, being from uh, being saved from a life apart from God. Um, but whenever we're being saved, I think part of what we need to have in part of that conversation is that we're being in being. S- saved and being redeemed and, uh, and being made righteous, uh, we're being made the kind of people God created us to be, um, that, that our salvation or our eternity isn't just this thing that's sort of devoid from, or, you know, separate from, uh, who we are and the kind of people we are and the kind of lives we live, but it's actually central to it. Um, God created us to be a certain kind of creature that could uh, delight in him and delight in one another uh, in a way that was good and, uh, and holy and, and pure. And in being saved, this is, this is part of God's project, right? He's, he's wanting to sort of make right what's gone wrong. He's wanting to make us into the creatures that, uh, that he's intended us to be, the, the sort of the good design that he has. And so... Um, and so in this life, right, whenever we sort of are becoming light or becoming dark, uh, we're either entering further into that even now or we're inhibiting that, um, right, or we're sort of moving away from that. And, uh, and I think it actually does have some 
sort of eternal consequences, right? Not because, um, not because right now, if you choose to, you know, Rachel's a really vicious person. I don't know if you know this, right? <laughs> if, if you choose to treat people really angry all the time and you're just punching people all the time, um, the way I know you, you probably I want have a to. Mean fist. Yeah, you. Are you a lefty or a righty? A righty. Oh man, the right hook is brutal. <laughs> um, if you're just punching people all the time, right? Obviously. Uh, you know, Jesus can forgive you, right? We can, we can go ahead and put that on the table, that Jesus can forgive you and it'll be fine. Uh, but the question that's, I think, central to this uh, and that has to do with, you know, are we ultimately going to receive righteousness from Christ? Are we going to receive grace from Christ and be made righteous by him? Um, the kind of person that we become uh, and the moral life that we live, I think can either really inhibit us from doing that or make us the kind of people who are receptive to that, yeah. um, right? And this is what Scripture talks about this in, in various ways in various places. But uh, we, we know this, like the people can get hard, mm-hmm. um, that you can live a life in such a way that, um, sure, maybe your, your string of wrong choices your sophomore year, God can forgive. Thank goodness he can. He had to forgive mine. Um, but there's a risk involved in those, right? Whenever you're living a life that is outside of wisdom, that's outside of a moral life, you're risking becoming the kind of person who ultimately doesn't ever really, uh, you're going to become the kind of person who doesn't desire right anymore, mm-hmm. right? Who doesn't uh, see their their sins or see their wrongs, see their transgressions as something that needs forgiveness, that needs yeah. grace. that, um, And so... Sure, we could we could spend our whole life living a immoral sort of wild life, and uh, maybe this sounds kind of tempting and and fun to us even. Uh, but in the process, we're we're assuming that one day we'd be the kind of person that at the end say, "Okay, now I'm ready to live well, and now I'm ready to like care about things I know I should have been all the time and do what's right." Uh, and we'll go back and do that. But the the thing about our actions actions shaping us. Uh, is that we're going to become a kind of person that may not actually want that, mm-hmm. um, that may not, uh, when, it's, when it's all said and done, say, okay, now I've, I've had my fun, now I'll go to the right path. Um, but that, uh, this, that central part of us that chooses might be so warped, so deformed, uh, that, uh, that it's maybe not even capable of seeing that good, uh, you know, whether it's forgiveness or... Um, whatever it is, right? Seeing that good is actually good and turning back to it, um, which I think should be mm-hmm. a little scary. Yeah. Um, and so we live, we live rightly one, cause of course we want to, we want to honor God, right? We want to honor Christ and this is what he's sort of called us to. And so we want to be good ambassadors. Um, but also we live rightly so that we can become the kind of people who, uh, actually can, can be ambassadors actually can sort of live that the kind of life that he is calling us into. Uh, and ultimately we're sort of anticipating that heavenly reality that's one day going to come, you know, one day we're going to, one day we're going to be so free, so perfect, so perfected, uh, you know, that central part of us be so much, uh, so redeemed, so healed from all the sort of weird poisons that we put into it. Um, that, uh, that we'll be perfectly free to choose whatever we want to do and we would never choose anything but good. And I think Paul is almost giving us a, a map of how 
we we start to enter into that life now. In this first section, uh, that's all about uh, sexual morality. Uh, I think it's a it's a little picture of uh, sort of the the way that we move away from that. Right? It's uh, it's all about vice. It's about the things that are deforming us. It's about um, the things, the patterns of living that make us less that way. But then in the end, he turns and uh, he talks about. Uh, singing to one another in psalms and spiritual hymns and songs, um, making a melody to the Lord, living in thanksgiving, right? This kind of life that uh, repeatedly choosing this way, repeatedly sort of setting our mind on these things, setting our mind on the the good things that God has given us, uh, you know, speaking in words that are encouraging and full of, uh, of, of light and of grace instead of, uh, instead of, you know, putting one another down, uh, that these actually sort of help us live into the light and even become light now. Yeah, so that might be a good way for us to, like, leave off. So what are some ways that maybe you would suggest us to live into this suggestion from Paul? Yes, uh, I actually really like the application and practice section of this <laughs> week. Uh, whoever wrote it is really, uh, really did some good stuff here. <laughs> Um, but there's a list of psalms to consider uh, memorizing. And I think that, again, if the, the repeated way we live, if the repeated way, things we set our minds on, the repeated actions uh, are going to shape that central part of who we are. Um, memorizing scripture, I think, is incredible. It's something it takes memory. It takes repetition. Uh, and then it's just in there in our mind, uh, constantly sort of shaping and, uh, and bouncing around in the way that we live. Uh, so Psalm 100 is my personal suggestion for that, but uh, memorizing a psalm. Or there's a there's a really fascinating part of the scripture that we didn't talk about today uh, where Paul is quoting one of the earliest Christian hymns, which I think is really cool yeah. uh, and kind of bizarre because it's like we just don't have any way of even conceiving what that was like, like what kind of music. Maybe they were listening yeah. to like some dubstep. We don't really know um, because we just came and, like we can't hear anything from yeah. the past, which is, I think, just a really trippy thing. So go home and think about that while you're falling asleep. Um, but uh, the one of the suggestions is to to enter into uh, and share in the worship of the church that's gone before us, mm-hmm. right? There's all sorts of we we like worship settings, and you know we have worship nights at Synergy, or uh, and this is a cool way to sort of enter into the life of God and uh, and share that with others. Um, but there's a whole history of, of beautiful, really rich, really mm-hmm. theologically uh, rich, really spiritually and almost even psychologically uh, insightful songs that the church has sung for years about who God is and how we live uh, with him. And so there's a list of them uh, that, uh, that your leaders have that I think is, uh, is worth looking into. One of them, my personal favorite that I've been singing to my daughter before I lay her down to sleep is joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you just want one little thing to insert into your life to maybe help prompt you towards that good, uh, to help maybe repeatedly shape you a little bit at a time into being light, this is a song that I think is A plus for that. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Rick. Thank you, <laughs> Rachel, and dear listener. Um, <laughs> hope you guys have a great day, life, oh, spring break, all that. Yeah, and a great week of group. 
that is yes. the most important one. Um, and we'll be, we will be back next week to talk about week nine of the curriculum. But thank you all for listening. Bye. Adios. Adios.